2: All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining Brian and I on the show today is Chris O'Neill, a big game hunter, shed hunter, just outdoor fanatic. And I'm excited for this. This is our first episode where we've got a guest on the show with two co hosts. And so it's going to be a good one. Before we dive into all of that, I got to fill you in on a few things. So we're kind of running into roadblocks here on our property. Um, not, not habitat wise, not animal wise, none of that stuff. It's just a ton of work here and there. And it's stuff that like, seems easy. And then you dive into it and it's just more and more of an issue. But the nice thing is I've been getting deer on trail camera. So although the construction side, the renovation side, the dealing with contractor side is kind of falling through the cracks. I'm pretty pumped about The hunting side of things and I've been running into rabbits all the time all over the place and so in thinking about it the other day I'm like dude I don't want my first animal that I kill on this property to be a turkey because if you guys have been listening for any amount of time to this or to the nomadic outdoorsman podcast you know how I feel about turkey hunting it's something that gets me by but also I think it's extremely overrated and so I'm like sweet I'm gonna go out and rabbit hunt my buddy brings his beagle out, we kick up a bunch of rabbits, and literally every rabbit that kicked out of a brush pile went on the opposite side of the brush pile from me, and so I still haven't shot anything, but it's going to happen eventually, right? I mean, it's not it's not going to just go on forever. I just really don't want the first animal I shoot out here to be a turkey, and I don't know why. I mean, if I see a giant, a giant tom, you better believe I'm going to take it, but... Other than that, you know what? Maybe I'll find a shed. Maybe like the first thing, especially with this episode being about elk hunting and shed hunting, maybe a shed is going to be the first thing that I kind of pick up or harvest or whatever you want to call it from this property. Anyways, I'm rambling now. I'm just really excited to be out here. And there's going to be a lot of cool stories to come. Most of them are not going to pertain at all to Western hunting. But, uh... They're going to be outdoors, nonetheless. So let's jump into this episode with Brian and Chris. I'm super excited. Hopefully, you are too. You're listening to the Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different
1: up there. I harvested 26 big game animals.
2: You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other
1: way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you.
2: All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me and my co-host Brian on the show is Chris O'Neill, a shed hunter, elk hunter. Not He didn't grow up that way. Uh, but he's found some pretty amazing success since he started doing this stuff. So Chris, thanks for hopping on the show with us.
0: Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Thanks a lot.
2: So we're recording from Missouri, Minnesota and Wyoming, which dude, I know before the show, we were talking about snow and how it can be a pain. I envy both of you guys. I miss the snow so much. We get today we were doing concrete and I was getting rained on all day long i was trying to put a tarp over my barn because it leaks and that's not good for putting new concrete in and i would have given yeah. anything for just snow something that's not going to get me completely soaked all the time
1: it 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 sounds like a great idea until you get your truck stuck literally everywhere pulling into i just i was just pulling into a little uh approach shed hunting this last weekend and i'm looking at it and i've gotten stuck so many times i'm like really hesitant i'm like no that really only does look like three inches deep in snow so I, I sent it
0: buried yeah i was gonna say out here it's like uh three foot at least everywhere snow so i you know you just can't access hardly anything where i'm at. i was about to say if if you're getting stuck
2: all the time is it a truck issue or a snow issue
1: no, it's a it's a an addiction to antlers and wanting to get out there issue, and then I just dr- I want to drive where I shouldn't be driving. Every shed season, I bury my truck. I got snow chains that I leave in my toolbox. Bought a scoop shovel for the truck. Bought some I bought some floor dry just in case. Like I'm trying to pull out all the tips and tricks here. Just like a mobile snow evac kit in my truck. That's Recovery good, boards. Yeah. We don't have those. Those aren't a thing out here, but I've seen them like all the Jeep guys from Montana and everyone with the Toyota Tacoma has got, got those recovery <laughs> boards.
0: <laughs> they've, they've saved me a few times. They have saved me uh and allowed me to get down off the mountain a few times. That's for sure. They, they carry them at Walmart.
2: I, I almost bought some for my new truck and I don't, I would not use them like 99% of the time. But when I go out to Colorado for, for elk when i go up to wisconsin for deer and then like in the off chance that we get snow here i might i walk into walmart and right when i walked in the door i see these like it's like a foldable pad basically but it's like a new version of that recovery board and i was like man i should buy these and then i didn't because i realized i don't need them and i would just have them as a
0: poser <laughs> pretending that i i go to cool places yeah. Yeah. They're a must out here where I'm at. Um, I got stuck up on the mountain a few times last year. And if I didn't have them, I would have been up there all night sleeping in my pickup. No cell service. Um, and if you're familiar with Wyoming at all, there is no cell service here. As soon as you get out of any town, there is no cell service for a long way. So... Um, uh, you yeah, know, and a lot of the time I, at that time I didn't have, um, an in-reach. And so my wife was like, well, I just, I just would have left you for a day and then maybe called the uh, search and rescue, I guess. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, that's good. Be- yeah.
1: Imagine the escalation decisions before in-reaches where it's like, he's been gone a day. He's never done that. But do I really want to call in a helicopter yet? Like, I don't know. <laughs> You know, like, it's like from zero to a hundred before those injuries just came out. Now you can at least yeah. text her and be like, Hey, popped a tire. It's, a, it's kind of annoying, but I'm just going to sleep in the truck, wait and fix it in the morning type of thing. Like,
0: yeah, I have a, uh, I have a whole recovery kit that I made once I moved to Wyoming and, um, I've got like an air compressor, slime plug, you name it. I've got like yeah. everything in that thing. So I'm like, you know, I hunt in a lot of remote places. So I'm like, this is like one of those things that's just, I have to make it. And if I use it once, it's worth it. You know, see, I,
2: I just got an InReach. I've hardly used it at all, but I've got a couple buddies out in Colorado. Um, while I was living out there working with both of them, they were out on an archery elk hunt, not even like a, a deep winter hunt. You know, the, the weather was pretty nice. They didn't come back when they said they were going to, and one of their wives started calling everybody. I mean, she was calling me. She's like, do you know where they are? Have you heard from them at all? And I was like, uh, no, I don't. I they didn't tell me like where they were going hunting. That's not a typical practice that they that they do. Um she ended up calling family. Her family was booking tickets to fly to Colorado because they thought they were missing. And I'm like, they haven't even been gone twenty four hours. This was just like they were five hours late from a hunt. And luckily we've we've had that conversation, my wife and I. And I'm like, listen, if I'm out there, there's a chance you're not going to hear from me for a long time. Please don't call somebody. I will make sure I get help if I need it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I yeah. always just send Abby my coordinates of like where camp's going to be. And she just knows, like, I'm probably not, I'll check in if I get service, but don't plan on it. And she's probably like, I don't know, he's gone. I get the bed to myself. I won't start worrying until he's not back <laughs> in 10 days. <laughs>
2: I think, I think my wife would just, uh, she'd look at the insurance policy, the life insurance policy, and then decide if she should call or just leave me out there.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, I've got a similar setup with my wife too. It's like, you know, I told her, I'm like, give me at least six to 12 hours. I do not really tell her where I'm at. I'm like in, when I'm hunting grizzly country, it's a little different though. Um, but, you know, if I'm hunting where I live at, I live uh, right at the foothills of the Bighorn Mountain Range. And so where I'm at, there's not much to worry about. We've got some black bear and some mountain lions, but not much to worry about. It's only in grizzly country when I think my wife would would probably get concerned if I'm not checking in after a couple hours, you know. So
1: you're either in Gillette or Cody, depends on which side?
0: Uh, no, so I live south of Cody a ways. Okay. Yeah, mine oh, was gonna... like an hour and a half. Early
1: when dan sent me the show info i was like oh man i wonder if he works at gunworks <laughs> no
0: no i don't i don't uh, that would be great though if i did
1: <laughs> yeah no
0: kidding
2: we, yeah, we'd yeah, be having a be... podcast sponsor conversation right now
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah no kidding so when you do hunt grizzly country you you bring the inReach? like is that like a is that a, yeah. a like an ultimatum for you getting out of the house with your wife, like you're not yeah, that, going the grizzly country unless you bring this.
0: That was the whole thing. I was like, and even I was on the fence about buying one right away, just because they're kind of expensive, um, you know, or whatever. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. And my wife's like, no, she's like, that, that. I mean, she kind of put her foot down on that. She's like, you will not be hunting in grizzly country if you have if you don't have an inreach. She's like, that's that's not negotiable. I don't care how much it costs. Buy it, have it and you know so i'm like okay <laughs> it's one of those th- it, i mean it's nice peace of mind
2: yeah it's one of those things that it's like yeah it's handy sometimes it's annoying or cumbersome like having that my buddy clips his up here and it's a big one like he clips it on his backpack um strap yeah and i'm like dude it just seems annoying to be flopping around all the time but when you need it it is going to be the greatest thing ever. Like if you a- absolutely have to have it. And we also kind of, we compare all of the public private borders with on to see, like if there's ever any question like, man, are we getting close? It kind of seems like we are. And sometimes uh, the phone, the phone mapping systems will be off by, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet. And so it's like, all right, we just want to make sure we're not even close to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I run the other one um the mini? uh the mini the mini yeah. that's the one that i have Um yeah. and so it just connects with my phone but you know it's uh it's it's just nice having that peace of mind because man it's like if you once you hunt in grizzly country it's a little unnerving especially like the being in the dark doesn't bother me but coming out in the dark or going in in the dark it's it's a little sketchy <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean for anyone that's new to hunting the west you don't get cell phone reception unless you climb to the top of the mountain, wow. and that the in-reach Mini is what three forty nine for the the Mini, yeah. four forty nine for the one. But it, you know, I just found out this year you could connect it to your phone. I was doing the T nine texting <laughs> on the big one all these oh, years, no. <laughs> which it not that big of a deal because there's nothing else to do from like sunset to ten o'clock when you're normally gonna go to bed out in the mountains, and so. But, yeah, it's a great investment, 350 bucks. It could be, a, I mean, out of all your gear, that's the one thing that could probably save your
0: life, that and a good absolutely. pair of boots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Good pair of boots and a good pack. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the good pack's not going to save your life. It's just going to save your back. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Dude, those pack outs with those elk, man, It's it could get brutal. Um, I did four this year, and, uh, oh, man, I'm, I was thankful I had a good pack at that time.
1: That's a, a a weird flex to to say that you could put four elk on the ground. <laughs> I did. not
0: My daughter did one. I did two, and I helped the boat pack out another one. So, you know, but uh, yeah. yeah, I guess you know it's a flex. It's okay. I mean, it could be no, worse. If, you, there. if you can flex anything. I'm the only anything, one here that didn't pack.
1: You're <laughs> yeah. oh dang.
2: All right, all right. So you should be Parker... taking notes. I thought I was going to come into this show taking a bunch of notes from you guys. Uh, I guess we all have something to teach. Well, when each you
1: other. hunt. When you hunt with half the population of Wyoming in your camp, Dan, it's not uncommon for you to have to pack an elk out.
2: (laughs) Dude, I think we had 19 people, man. I think we had 19 people at our camp this year. And, I mean, we never see each other out there because we're not, like, just packing in from camp. It's it's four-wheeler rides in every direction. We might be 50 miles apart, you know, by the time we actually start hunting. Yeah, yeah. it was
1: this year. Our group, our group got shafted big time with just application season and the, the point systems and party sizes. Our party is too big for one, but we didn't have enough points to split. And so me and my brother got drawn in Montana with the zero point strategy that go hunt wrecked for everyone. And then the rest of our group didn't draw with one point. And so they all went to Colorado. And so it was just me and my brother on an archery elk hunt. And we had the time of our lives, saw some monster bulls, but we didn't end up putting anything on the ground.
0: Summer. yeah the uh the point system is really a screwed up system i i don't know how they'll ever fix that um you know it's it i'm, I'm glad i'm a resident i'll say that
1: <laughs> yeah and and wyoming's point system is it is very complicated between the special draws the random draws the but the the preference system, at least that's pretty understandable, right? It's not like a weighted point average like Montana's bonus point system is.
0: Yeah, the problem is is that some of these units though take so many points to be able to draw that oh, it's yeah. like then you hit so max points I believe is sixteen points, and so um, you know you have however many people that are already at max points, and you know you're sitting at sixteen, and then you just keep. I mean, what do you do after sixteen? You just have to keep trying. I mean, you know, so. Yeah, I don't know. I um, I don't know if you guys listen to Randy Newberg, but uh, it was him and Corey Jacobson were saying last year on one of their podcasts. They said that um, with the amount of people that have max points right now, it would take like 108 years for everybody just to get through the max points. So, yeah, it's <laughs> just going to get worse every year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Dan, but I definitely listen to pretty much everything Randy puts out. Uh, my brother's been on Randy's podcast. He's met him a few times. Um, one of my elk hunting buddies was in Bozeman, and Randy met Randy, and he's like, "Hey, I go to this coffee shop every morning at seven 15 He's like, "I'll be there," and met up with him like a week later just for fifteen minutes for coffee and. <laughs> But yeah, I like what Randy says when he's like, you got to really look like, are you willing to waste 16 years, not elk hunting? And obviously you as a resident, you have that over the counter option, but for us as non-residents, like you really got to make a decision. Like, are you going to wait and miss out on Wyoming for 16 years in a row? Or are you willing to maybe just put in more sweat equity in a general unit?
0: So this is what I've, I've told my good buddies. I'm like, it's generally takes about four, three to four years to draw a general tag in Wyoming for a non-resident. I'm like, I shot a 366 bull last year in a general unit. I'm like, so, you know, like I know guys here that have lived in Wyoming their whole life. Um, they're not that hard of hunters and they, they don't, you know, put in a ton of time out there, but they've never shot anything over a 300. I'm like my second year in Wyoming, you know, and I put in a ton of like time for my daughter, and for me, this was just kind of a fluke thing. And I found a three sixty six as a fluke, you yeah. know, just Jeez. right place, right time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> my brother has shot um, three Wyoming archery bulls. One was a raghorn, and I was standing next to him for that one. And then one was like a two sixty six by, and this latest one was a three hundred and four inch six by, all in over the counter units with archery. I think he's yeah. batting three for three in wyoming with his bow that's that's pretty Dang, good man yeah that's <laughs>
2: insane we got to get him on and chat with him i mean oh, sure <laughs> i just need i just need as many pointers leading up to archery hunting for for elk as i can because that's something that i've always been interested in doing and i have yet to do now like rifle hunting i've got that kind of yeah. figured out
1: I'd love to hear Chris's opinion because there's a like there's a big difference between rifle and bow to me. I think typically with a rifle, if you're in a decent unit, like your unit has potential, a good hunter, you know, you can glass elk. You can usually always glass an elk. That's usually not the problem. And then getting to them, being willing to get to them, like it's all about how much you want to work with a rifle. But when you switch to archery from what I found, and I haven't shot one with my bow yet, I just stood next to my brother while he shoots everything under the sun. Um you gotta have that like sixth sense. You gotta know where to stand, you gotta know if to be in front of the tree or behind the tree, when to draw, when to move, when to call. And it's like that it, it, you can't just brute force it anymore. Like sometimes you can with a rifle, just yeah, you know, grind harder, climb faster, make the shot. What do you think, Chris? How that... do you come down?
0: Well, you pretty much described my, uh, my rifle hunt on my bull last year, because that's about how it played out. Like climb harder, climb faster, you know, um, with archery, that's a totally different beast. No, I haven't shot one, uh, with my bow, but I, I'm a big bow hunter. Um, I really, this, this was the first opportunity that I had to, um, go after a bull elk and I really just wanted to cut my teeth with a rifle if that makes any sense like I just felt like I wanted to cut my teeth with my rifle so I could like almost build some confidence to do it um I have been on archery hunts though with elk um and nobody got one but um you know I think you're definitely on the right path there like it is it's it's a night and day difference um you know whereas like you always know that you can reach out and touch something with the rifle as far as you can shoot, you know, basically as far as you're comfortable with archery, that's a whole nother thing, kind of getting in the zone, getting them called in. Like you said, like generally we'll try to go in in pairs and we'll have someone call. Then you always yeah. got to have the caller a ways back behind you when to call, how much to call, man, that is just such a, you know, and that's something that I'm learning too still. Um, you know, it's, I don't know if there's any right answer to any of that. It's just, a lot of favor has to be in your side. You know, he's, I think a lot of it is luck. And then a lot of it is just, um, you know, educating yourself ahead of time and just kind of knowing some of the right moves to make when they come yeah. up. You know? Definitely, it's like yeah. That's like everything when I'm, when I'm doing it, I always try to like analyze almost everything I do. So I'm like, should I move 30 yards up? I'm like, ah. then I'm like, you know, thinking in my head, I run a whole process and I'm like, then I'll do it or blow, you know, blow a stalk or something. I'm like, what was I thinking, you know? And, uh, but just live and learn, I guess. <laughs> how, did, how did the transition yeah, happen for learn. you?
2: How did that transition <laughs> happen for you from hunting more in the Midwest to hunting out West? I mean, like what, what did you dive into? And I guess, uh, research explore in order to figure out how
0: you're going to be successful moving out to Wyoming. Um, so the first part of that cut out, I I think I got most of it though. Um, so when I moved out to Wyoming, uh, I knew that elk was basically on the top of my list because I never had another opportunity to do it. I've killed a bunch of big whitetail back in South Dakota. Um, you know, so like I was kind of over the whitetail thing. Now I have an opportunity to get after elk. And so, uh, moving out here, I started to read the regulations and stuff like that. And man, that was like, that was very overwhelming. Like I, uh, like I almost didn't even uh, get tags my first year just because I felt so overwhelmed by reading so many of the regulations. And it was like, it was day and night coming from South Dakota to Wyoming. There was just so much more here and so much more to know. Um, and then, you know, we didn't hunt a ton of BLM back in South Dakota, uh, where I was at, we, you know, um, we hunted like, uh, national forest and stuff like that, but we didn't have a ton of BLM. So it was like, just trying to learn all the laws and, 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 uh, all the regulations, man, that was, that was brutal. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I did meet. You know, well, you I got go a raging
1: G tag, but I also have this type two, And I think type two means I can shoot whatever I want. But somebody said, if you have the wrong type, you can only shoot cows on private land. And I wanted to hunt unit 56, but I got a region
0: G. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it was like the, the waters were just so muddied with regulation and, and different jargon. Like some of it, I didn't understand. And then, um, I ended up meeting some guys out here that were picking to elk hunting and I got in with them and then I just annoyed them to death with all the like you know i'd be like what i'm like why why what does this mean this type three you know and i can only hunt north of this area i'm like what is that you know and he's like oh well yeah that's yeah a basic thing and i'm like makes no sense to me (laughs) like explain all this so uh a bunch of my buddies i think i just really annoyed them because i asked them so many questions but um in doing that, you know, I basically, I gained the confidence to be able to go out and, and tag out and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a process. It's, it's a process for sure.
2: It really with- is. I mean, having, having somebody out there to actually talk to and get that advice from that, that's huge. The nice thing is there's yeah. a lot of hunting apps now that are putting information out that help you with that. And obviously with podcasts and YouTube channels and TV shows, I mean, hunting the west i feel like is becoming more and more doable or i mean growing up probably in my teens even in high school i just never thought it was possible and i wish i knew what i know now about western hunting because i would have started doing it long before i did oh and
1: that's yeah. exactly i mean me. <laughs> i remember growing up and and I think I was elementary school still, and my dad and my brother were leaving for an elk hunt. And I was like, you know, they were up at the crack of dawn loading the truck up, driving out. Like, I'm waiting for the school bus, like, hoping the school bus is running late because I just want to be around. And I was obviously way too young to come with. But, you know, and at that point, all I knew was, like, it sounds, like, awesome. And, like, all you have is stories, like, verbal stories of what it's like, like we rode in and there's this Canyon and, you know, the drop camp. And then, you know, they went with Jake Clark out of Wyoming one time, one of the world's best elk hunting outfitters, you know, they're talking about the cook tent and they had like, they got all the four, we went in with 39 mules and the cook tent had an electric fence around it. And they just shut down their operation the week before on the other side of the Ridge. Cause there's too many grizzlies over there. And, you know, they're trying to describe it. Well, you, you know, there wasn't that much elk hunting content to watch back in, you know, this would have been the two, like 2099, you know, the YouTube wasn't really a thing. Sometimes you could find an elk hunting show on the outdoors channel, but not really. So like everything is just like the RMEF bugle magazine and like pictures. And you're trying to like paint this picture, but it's just a one big mystery. Like as soon as that truck drove out, like I had no idea after that, what the story was like. And I just remember like that was the moment for me where it's like, there's something out there and I want to go find it one day. It took me 15 years to do it, but.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the- that was so it was crazy. That's about how it was when I moved out here. When I, I moved out here, all of a sudden I'm driving up towards the mountains and I'm seeing these big ones, you know? And I'm like, that's, I'm like, I've never seen a wall tent in South Dakota. And I come out here and then there's wall tents everywhere where people, literally take the entire season off and they live in them i'm like what <laughs> so that was crazy for me too was just what an experience to come out here and going from you know south dakota to here was just day and night once you put that work in though and, and actually try it yeah
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely once you once you put yeah. in that work though and actually try it you realize how doable it is you know like before yeah. before having ever been out there i would have thought it was just as difficult to plan a western trip as it was to go to africa and you know try to shoot the big five but really once you start to do it it's it's all about how much work you're willing to put into it how much research you're willing to do and just really figure out where you should be hunting the point system like how you can get a license to start and then where you should be hunting the gear and stuff that's so readily available there's so many like gear checklists for western hunting out there now that people can take a look at
0: um but yeah once you start doing it you build that confidence for sure oh absolutely like even now like i'll still look through those gear lists and stuff like that and then i'll send it to my buddies and everybody um but you know like i i really like gear too so i'm like i geek out on that stuff just a little bit you know so i'm like <laughs> i'm like oh i'm like i really need that new sitka jacket to go you know? So, at least that's how I always sell it to my wife. But, um, uh, you know, just like you said, though, there's so many apps and there's other things out there that can really prepare you, um, to get out there and doing those things. But like, for me, it was just like, I always had some like off questions that, um, you know, like I would see like side-by-sides on like every trail and I'm like, it doesn't even show that this is a trail. I'm like, how, how can people be driving on that? Cause it's that, not common where I came from. And so, it was like a lot of small stuff like that, you know, and I, I could do some research and something would say, yes, yeah, so you can drive here or no, you couldn't. And I'm like, I don't want to be driving and uh, you know, on a trail and, uh, and get in trouble. I, I mean, that was my biggest thing. I was just more scared of like losing my hunting rights or getting in trouble than anything. So I was like, I don't almost want to do anything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> without somebody to help me out here a little bit.
2: Yeah. That's definitely yeah. a nerve wracking part of it. I mean, making sure that you're legal. I think that should be at the forefront of everybody's mind. Like, Hey, if we're going to be out here doing it, let's make sure that once we shoot a bull or a bear or a mule deer, it doesn't get taken away from us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a real thing. Like for me, like I was, you know, like even before I shot my bull, I'm like, I, I pulled out my phone, even though I was miles in, I pulled out my phone and still checked. I was like, just to make sure (laughs) <laughs> like, so, so when I shot my bull this year, I, I dropped a pin where I shot from, and then I, I turned on my tracker from where I shot. So I was like, just, you know, I was just so sketched out about all that. But, you know, I was, I was still five miles in. So, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to make sure I was legal and double checked everything. So there was no chance of anything being wrong there, you know?
1: The, yeah, those, I've never come across a game warden that's like actually out to get people. Every time I've come across a game warden, they're the, the nicest guys in the world. They love what we do. And even when I was in Colorado, I did a solo alpine archery, or not archery, rifle elk hunt. And I shot a bull last light. I didn't get off the mountain until 1.30 in the morning, and that was just a quarter of them. And then I went back in in the morning and, and got them out of there. Well, then I he drove out, and I was going to cape them and do the shoulder, right? So I'm in the parking lot, or like this parking area where everybody, all those side-by-sides pull off and unload yeah. their trailer, and I'm trying to cape out this skull. And the gay morn, same gay morn I've saw three, four times throughout this week because I was kind of camping in goofy spots. You probably thought I was a lunatic. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, you're you put, is that what's underneath that black tape on his antler? And I've always just electrical taped the tag straight to the antler, the whole thing up to down. Like it is not coming off of there. Because you're right, like five miles in, you could hit a pine tree and just rip that tag off if you just rely on their tape. He goes, oh, that's my tag. Tagged it. He goes, Oh no, no, that's got to stay with the quarter. That's got the sex proof. And I'm like, all five pieces are here with me in the truck. Like I, it's, it's all one elk. Like I I was kind of under the impression, as long as the tag is attached to the elk, I'm good. He's like, Nope. In Colorado, that's got to stay on the quarter with the proof. And he dug it out of the bag and like took it off and taped it on himself. He's like, there you go. Now you're legal. And I'm like, all right thanks man he's like oh you better you better shoulder mount that thing like i i could tell you were looking at kind of like doing a euro and i'm like wow this is crazy (laughs) this is a crazy situation i can't believe this is happening and he's like and if you want to fill your meal to your take there's a 180 up in there you gotta he beds down early though so you gotta you gotta wait on him and i'm like i think i'm good officer i'm just gonna go home
0: (laughs) um for the most part here in Wyoming, I've I've like they are as solid guys as as you could run into. Like I have I have never met one um that is not just like a just a great average guy that you know you can meet any other hunter. So they've all been great here. South Dakota I have ran into a couple, <laughs> but I mean you'll have like uh you know, you'll you'll have people in, you know, um, you know, like not the best people in any profession. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I here in wyoming they've all been great i found if you if you get a complaint
2: called in about you they show up with a lot different attitude and we didn't do anything illegal but we hunted a field that was i mean i could see a gas station i could see a denny's and i could see a motel six from our goose pit and so we'd be sitting there shooting geese People would be stopped at the stoplight, looking over, watching geese raining out of the sky. And so it was like every time we hunted, conservation was showing up. CPW, they'd pull up, they'd check everything. It was like three hunts in a row. And by the third hunt, they were definitely a lot more chilled out. They're like, hey, just so you know, we didn't get a call that you're doing anything illegal, but we have to show up. We heard there were gunshots over here. We know you guys hunt here. Here's our check. You're good. And they even went as far as like, hey, raise your hand if you were here yesterday and the day before when we checked. And so we did. And they're like, we don't need to check you guys. You're good. We're going to get out of your hair so you can keep shooting geese.
1: Yeah, everyone. Everyone's like, yep, that was me. (laughs) Well, we checked four people and there's 10 of you. So (laughs) I have a I knew some people, I knew friends of friends that were got busted waterfall doing waterfall stuff on Snapchat. Because somebody was salty and sent it to the game warden, and they were all floating a fourth shell and a Beretta. If you have a new Beretta, you can float a fourth shell in it. Oh, yeah. A little tip to yeah. everyone. And so they were all floating shells, and you could tell on their Snapchat story, and somebody that wasn't invited got sent it to them. And, like, these guys were just real goose killers. Like, they're limiting <clears throat> out in the fall snow season 50 geese a person and a 10-person spread. Jeez.
2: Dude, I, yeah. love that you, yeah. uh, I love that you threw in that tip about floating the fourth shell. This is now going to be the Western That's for target rookie. practice and it's, clay shooting. <laughs> that's target <laughs> practice and clay shooting. I'm like, yeah, we're going to give you guys awesome Western hunting tips and how to get in trouble with the game warden when you're waterfowl hunting.
1: <laughs> well, that was North Dakota. I mean, it's west of the Mississippi. Oh, hey, yeah, so
2: Western <laughs> hunting, there you go. We're going to teach you how to be legal yeah. for elk. And how to you know ignore the rules for geese? I mean, I get it, dude. No, the
1: the moral of the story, Dan, was that they got busted for doing the wrong thing.
2: Exactly. We're gonna tell you how to do the wrong thing so that you can avoid doing it that way. <laughs> yes.
1: <Yeah. laughs>
0: Don't make their mistake and put it on Snapchat. When it says uh, <laughs> when it says one
1: in the chamber and two in the magazine, that also means no other shells anywhere else. <laughs>
2: Dude, you just got to learn how to three-gun, and then it's like you don't even have a plug-in. I mean, have you seen those Jokers reloading? They're they're reloading faster yeah. than I can pull the trigger.
1: Oh, I had a different thing in mind. That makes more sense. But when you said three-gun, I was like, well, I always hunted with two shotguns. Because there's <laughs> there's a rule that you can't have more than three shells in one shotgun. There's no rule how many shotguns you can have laying by you. So everyone on our crew would just bring two shotguns.
2: Hey, there you go. <laughs> That's one way to do
0: it. I've done a lot of goose hunting and never did that.
1: <laughs> well, you have to have two shotguns to bring two shotguns. See, the only, time few, I, but... the only
2: time I would bring two shotguns is because the two shotguns I had were so crappy that they basically made one whole shotgun. So if one didn't Autobots. work, I could typically rely on the other one to fire a couple times at least. Oh, yeah. That's
1: funny. Yeah, we never really talked about Western Waterfall, but there are, there's a huge Western Flyway. It's all the ducks that take a take a right when they get to Dan's house and they go over to Kansas and Nebraska and then the flatlands. And you mean all of the ducks? Is that what you mean? Well, they either take a right or a left. I'm just saying the ones that go right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they Uh, all
2: go left or right. None of them continue straight. They see it as a detour every time they get north of my house.
0: (laughs) There's a there's a huge flyway where I live at right here, and it's crazy, but. Um, I used to be a really hardcore waterfowl hunter. And then, you know, I just felt like I spread myself so thin, uh, like doing so much different stuff. And so I've like intentionally not done any waterfowl hunting since I've been here, just so I don't like just stop elk hunting and start waterfowl hunting or something.
1: Do you feel that way, even when it relates to big game in a state like Wyoming or maybe even like Montana, Colorado, where there's so much opportunity? you know, archery mule deer and then pronghorn and elk and then you mountain bear and all of these things, do you start to feel that way even with just sticking within the walls of big game?
0: Well, that's my thing. It's like, um, so, you know, it just kind of, it's like all or nothing for me. So it's like, for me, if I want to shoot a big mule deer, like that is my focus. You know what I mean? I spend off season finding where they're at, you know, I, I shed hunt, I do anything and everything I can. Um, or at least that's what I did with elk, uh, last year. And so, you know, I spent the entire off season, just finding out where they wintered, where they summered, um, all that information about them. And then, so it was like, I just consumed myself with that. So when it came, you know, time to hunt, I have like, even guys that have lived here their whole life. They're like, Hey man, uh, any chance you can help us out or give us some tips where to go? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I could. I I could help you guys out a little bit, uh, you know, but it's uh, so it's like for me it's like it's like I have like one main focus and, and that's that's what I got to be like zeroed in on. Otherwise, I feel like it just takes so much effort to find like big bulls or or big muleys, you know. Um, it just really takes a lot of my time to focus in and find those. Um, if I want to shoot, you know, a trophy animal,
1: if you. When you're trying to find these animals, just something, like something that sparks your interest, are you doing all glass? Are you putting out some trail cameras at, like, different spots and just trying to take an inventory? What's your strategy of choice?
0: So uh, I will run trail cams this year. Last year I did not. Um, Basically what I did was I went into all the places. I I would basically find an area that I wanted to go into. I would go into it, and a lot of the times guys just won't. Go into the nastiest country, like you know, if you can get a horse in there out here, and if it's just nasty country, generally guys won't go into it. That's like, you know, it's like two thousand feet. You got to go straight down, and you know, like a lot of guys just won't do that. So, I always tried to put myself in places where I knew there was animals, and I knew ninety-nine percent of people wouldn't go. And so that's what I did, whether it was, you know, I always didn't go back super far, but, you know, I went into some really nasty stuff, but I also found some really big animals. So, you know, (laughs) that, that was my strategy last year and it worked out pretty well. Yeah.
2: There's, there's like a, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of guys in the middle. Right, There's the guys who are like, dude, I'm going as deep as I possibly can, and then there's the guys who are riding the two-track and hoping to see something crossing the path in front of them. Um, I've talked to a lot of people out on the trail, and the guys that I, I talk to that are telling me stories and showing me pictures of bull after bull after bull that they kill are doing that. They're just diving in deep. They're going to the nastiest places. Yeah. And those elk can get it anywhere. I mean, they're like they're they're like one step under a mountain goat I feel like. I've watched them climb yeah. up and down some nasty nasty stuff and they're like, dude, they they hold up. Once they get that much pressure, they're holding up where nobody else wants to go. So for the guy that's willing to go there, there's going to be opportunities.
0: So so like here's a prime example where I got my bull at this year. Um there it's like a really common place where guys go in and it's it's like 10 miles in just to get where most guys start hunting um and they everybody takes horseback in just because it's so far in and then you have to go up this mountainside that's like 20 something switchbacks to get to the top of it grizzlies hang out because a lot of horses die on it uh they like dynamite the the horses off of there so the grizzlies don't get the taste for for uh horses <laughs> yeah. so that's a real thing you can look that up um but so when I got my bull, we were about five miles in, but I just, I found some nasty, nasty terrain that other people, I guarantee haven't been. And, uh, you know, and took me 30 seconds. Once I got to a good glassing spot, took me 30 seconds to pick out my bull, but we walked in, in at 3am. Um, it's when we got out of the pickups and started hiking in and we to um basically about the top of the mountain where we needed to be we waited till sun came up and then we you know basically hunted from there so um, you know and we just we kept going up and up and up and further in so is how that many the...
1: guys were you with on that on that little adventure
0: oh i was with one guy uh <laughs> so that's all i've ever that's all i've ever hunted with is one other person i you know um I get, you know, it's just sometimes it seems crowded if you hunt with more, you know, two, maybe three max. But I've hunted with three guys before. But, um, you know, it's basically because me and one other guy that was experienced was trying to help another guy get a a, a mule deer that this guy had no no idea.
1: <laughs> I was just doing the math. 364 or was it 366?
0: 366 um, and eighths <laughs>
1: 366 bull, you're probably looking at, like. In Wyoming, I mean, that's going to be an 8- to 10-year-old bull. The one I shot, the one that you see a picture of, that one was eight and a half in North Dakota, and I weighed every quarter. So I can tell you, I mean, you're looking at 82-pound rears, 66-pound fronts. The head on that thing, I I didn't cape them out. So the neck, the head, the fur, the antlers, and all the water that was in his hide weighed 175 pounds.
0: So Jeez. we're guessing, and this is just a rough guess, is about 250 pounds off of my bull
1: of meat
0: uh between yeah of meat that's what we think we got off is roughly around 250 pounds of meat he was a big mature bull um, well, plus
1: bone and like those sheds But my taxidermist cut my antlers off because he couldn't fit them through a doorway and so i weighed them yeah. both sheds weigh 11 pounds so there's 22 pounds of just antler you know that skull yeah. and the all that i mean it just adds up and then i was thinking like five miles two guys that's probably you go two trips
0: uh So let me, let me tell you the story of mine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's dive deep
2: into this. Cause I, I like, I like when people just share start to finish, like this is how it played out.
0: I'm curious about this. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So uh, the guy that I went with um, him and I had shed hunt, stuff like that. And he's a good shed hunter, everything. Um, And I had one weekend, uh, one free weekend. Um, that I was that I was able to go and try to fill my general tag because the following weekend is when my uh, daughter's season uh, was coming open. And so I was just going to devote all my time to helping her get her bowl. So um, we made a plan, whatever we get out there and we go in and light, uh, sunlight comes up. You know, he was like, oh, it's a really good area. I was like, well... Said I don't know, man. I said, there's some things here that I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing any tracks. I'm not seeing any elk droppings and I'm not, I haven't seen any rubs on any of the trees around. I mean, I'm doing a ton of glassing. I said, I think we're going to, we need to kind of keep moving. We need to go up a little further. And so I can get a better viewpoint to, to do some glassing. And so, um, he, he was not big into glassing. And so I was like, oh, that was kind of weird. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, and so, we, we get further in and further in and I'm uh, still not seeing the sign. And he goes, well, I think we need to go uh, further into the trail. And I said, well, I said, I don't know. So there's an area up here that I can see on on X that I want to take a look at first. It'll give us a really good viewpoint. We'll be able to see miles. So we get to the top. That's when I spot my bull. Like literally we get to the top and I said, Hey man, I said, why don't you glass over there to the left? I'll glass here and we'll go from there. He said, ah, I don't know, man. I don't think I'm going to glass. Okay. All right. So I pull up my binoculars, 30 seconds. I spotted my bull and we are so high. And uh, I was like, oh man, I was like, that is a monster bull. I was like, we got to, he was moving away from us. So I said, we, we got to make a move on him. Like we, we can't mess around. He's walking away from us. And so my buddy goes, well, let's just go down. We'll go back around. And, you know, we'll try to get to the spot to get to him. I was like, that will take us over two hours. Like, no, that, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> it will not work. I was like, this bull is moving faster than that. I was like, and if he gets out of here, I'm like, he's gone. So um, I feel pretty confident. I've spent a lot of time in the mountains. Um, I work out all the time. I'm in really good shape. And so I was like, look, man, I found a good spot over here you don't have to follow me. I said, but I'm going off the, the side of this mountain right here. I found a chute that went to the bottom. And I was like, it's shale, It's deep. It is nasty. I said you don't have to go, but I'm going. And uh, he goes, oh, OK, well, uh, I'll let you go first and then I'll follow you. I said, OK, <laughs> that's fine. Fair enough. So down I go and I'm, I'm almost running down fast as I can get down. And it's it's I thought it was around a thousand feet. It was over a thousand feet down. Um, once I looked back at it on on X, I can't remember what it was for sure, but it was a long ways down. And so, uh, I get down to the bottom, I had to climb up the hill to get a good shooting point, And I had a rock. Um, I'm sorry, halfway down, I glassed him back up and I saw that he bedded down beside of this rock. And so I had a really good point of reference and, um, so I was like, okay, he's bedded it down. I kind of take my time and not, not, you know, wind myself and, and just get bent out of shape here and, and make a stupid mistake and hurt myself. So took my time, got to the bottom, had to climb up this other pretty steep hill, get to the top, find the rock. I cannot find the elk. I'm just, I'm just glassing probably. I don't know how long I spent glassing, but I could not find him. So I moved up, um, up the hill a little further Just as I moved up, I caught his antler just move. And so he was bedded between two junipers, and I just saw the movement of his antler. So found him, got a good viewpoint on him. Uh, My buddy came over, and he had a tag, too. And he goes, well, I'll back you up. And I said, okay. I said, well, he's beside his tree. So my buddy never even saw the elk the entire time. (laughs) Never once, not until we walked up on him. And uh, so I ranged it. It was, I think it was 338 yards. Um, I do a bit of long range shooting. So I was, I felt super confident in that shot, had a perfect vital shot. Um, I shoot a six, five PRC, put it right in the money. He stood up, uh, started a quarter away. I put another one in him and then he walked around the juniper. I was just about to put a third one in him and he, I just saw him just tumble. I said, okay, hopefully he's done. My buddy goes, well, I, I never saw it, but (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, what happened? I said, well, he's down over there. I'm pretty sure. So, so I don't know how long it took us. Cause we had to go through another bottom to get to him. Once we got over there, he was, uh, piled up into a juniper. And then that's when like, I could really see how big he was. So, uh, my thought looking through the scope was I tried to focus in on his vitals and not look at his horns because I, was, I knew he was big. And I was like, I I could feel myself already kind of not starting to hyperventilate, but I could tell my breathing was starting to change. And I was like, I just had to zero in and focus on the shot and not even pay attention to how big he was. Um, so get over to him monster, you know, big, gigantic bull. And uh, so whatever, we we'll take some pictures, everything's good. I uh, go ahead and quarter him all up and uh, get him in game bags. We get him hanging up all that jazz. And, and uh, it took us like an hour and a half or so to get all that done and we're ready to go. So I run an XO 4,800, get that packed. Um, I have it just slammed. And uh, I said, okay, I said, well, let's, um, let's go ahead and throw some meat in your pack. And he goes, oh man. He said, I I can't put meat in this pack. I said, what do you mean you can't (laughs) put meat in that pack? (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? He said, no, this can't, this pack can't haul meat. I was like, uh, I was like, I bet I could my, make it haul meat. <laughs> I was like, my daughter's, my my daughter's backpack could haul meat if I wanted it to. I was like, look, man, I don't know what your reservation is about putting meat in the pack. I said, but if you're worried about ruining the pack, I was like, I'll, I'll buy you another one. If that's the case, I was like, I need another pack. I can get one for my daughter or something. I was like, I'll, I'll buy you another pack. If you're scared of getting blood on it or whatever it may be, he said, no, dude, it, it, it doesn't haul me. I said, oh, I was like, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> so, like, a little bit of frustration on that end, and uh, I still don't know what happened there, uh, but he agreed to um, to pack the head, and so, basically, we were so far in, I the hide we th- was roughly around, like, 30 pounds on it, and so I was just like, either I'll buy a hide, or I'll take the one off my daughter's bull if she shoots a good one, you know? Yeah. Um, or if she shoots a bull, whatever, I'll, I'll take hers, just depending. I was like, if I had to buy one, I'll buy one. Um, so I ended up um, fleshing it out getting all the hide off of him, And uh, so he carried the head. And so we put um, in my pack, we ended up putting a front quarter in the 4,800. And then I had boned out meat as well. So he put, he stacked that on top of my XO and then I just basically, um, had to try to manage between my shoulders and my neck to balance it as I was walking. And then I carried another meat bag in my hands. So <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of meat. And so I have my 10 millimeter with me. He carried my rifle and his rifle um, and basically what we did is we leapfrogged, we went about, we would go as far as I could possibly walk and then I would stop, drop my pack. We would go back, get another load of meat and bring that meat back to the pack and everything else. And so we just leapfrogged doing that oh all day gosh. long. So from, I think it was either 11 or 1130 when we started packing and, uh, we got back to my truck at 630 that night. That's actually um, so, a pretty good time.
2: I was going to so, say I was expecting a lot longer than that. So, especially well, he had the head he and literally no meat.
0: Did he yeah. carry well, any so, meat on the second trip? On the second trip he carried a bag. Yeah, he did okay. carry a bag on the second trip. So, um but, you know, the thing about it was like I that was the thing. So my first year here, uh, your first year in Wyoming, you're not considered a resident until you've been here a full year. And so my first year here, got non-resident tags. Well, when I shot my first cow elk in Wyoming, I found out real quick that I was not in shape for mountain hunting. And so when I packed up my first cow elk, I, I told my wife I got back. I was like, I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to die. I was like, "This is not good. I was like, my goal for next year is I will be in prime shape for elk season. And so, uh, going into this last elk season, I, from February all the way until, you know, I got my, I worked out six days a week. If I could, if I didn't work out six days a week, I was in the mountains on those other days off. And so I did anything and everything I could to get myself in shape for, for this. And so coming out, you know, it, it sucked, but um, I felt like if I could have put more on my EXO, I probably could have carried out more. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Dang man,
2: that's that's yeah, gnarly. Yeah. I I can't imagine being back in there and having that conversation with somebody. Uh, <laughs> uh, <kidding> <laughs>
1: the grizzly bears wouldn't have been getting a taste for horses if it was me. I'll tell you that <laughs> oh much. man, like so... yeah,
2: you can stay here right where this bull. Went down. You're going to stay out here with it. I I can't uh, imagine that. Yeah. We had a... I think I've talked about this on this podcast. Maybe not. My first bull, we were, we were several miles back. We had uh, cell service, and there were some other people not that far. I mean, they were up by the side-by-sides. Um, but we were on foot several miles back, and it was just me and my buddy. And we we're like, all right, we're going to make this happen. Luckily, we got through to these other two guys and they bomb in meet us there as we're boning out meat. And one of the guys, Dan, I mean, he's twice my age and he gets down there and he doesn't have a pack, like doesn't even have a backpack. No, nothing. And I'm like, all right, well, at least he came to hang out. I guess. I don't know. This joker throws a whole quarter on his shoulder in the meat bag and he beat every one of us (laughs) up the mountain and i'm like (laughs) i guess that's one way to do it i don't know why you would do that but all right dude thank you very much i'm like dude i owe you a pack out for sure
0: so uh so about halfway through the pack out uh you know it like i got to a point about midday where like i was i was hurting pretty bad and i said well look dude i said i i saw this thing on on Uh, you know, some, something, I was like, let's try cutting down a tree (laughs) and we'll hang a couple of the meat or uh, the game bags off of it. We'll just both put it on our shoulder and we'll carry it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that works real good on flat ground. That does not work good in the mountains going up and down hills (laughs) because then all the meat either goes forward or, you know, goes backwards, however, you know, and it was, that didn't work. We made it about a hundred yards with that. And I was like, Oh, let's just keep doing this. You know, I mean, um, it was good progress at the end of the day. We made good time. Um, you know, and my, like I said, my buddy, he was like, I, I don't know how you carried that. I was like, dude, I spent all year long with in the gym prepping for this. So I was like, you know, I just powered through it, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was touch and go for a little bit with the conversation. I was quiet for a few hours. <laughs> Do
1: you, so when he, when next fall comes and he's like, Hey man, want to go hunting? And you would like, ah, I actually got to fold my dish towels this weekend. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, he's a really good dude. He is, but I, I don't know if we'll be hunting together again. <laughs> Let's do an antelope. Hunt yeah. Instead, I'd be out but... on
2: that one for sure. Yeah. I also don't know who came up with the, the whole meat pole idea on the shoulder. I hate that method. I have never had success with that method mm-hmm on flat ground or or hill country. Like we tried it in Georgia a couple weeks ago with a pig. There were four of us and we the four of us tried to carry this pig out and we had just gutted it. I mean, I think it I think it weighed about I think it weighed out at like 165 or something like that. Four of us all carrying it was worse than one guy dragging it on the ground. Like way worse. <laughs> And I'm like, why, why yeah. would anybody use this? I don't know what application that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it didn't work for us. Out. I've put yeah. full meal deer in a pack. I've put a full whitetail in a pack. The, my North Dakota bowl, I put a front and a rear in my pack. And then when I got home, that was the, i put it all back in my pack when I got to my garage so I could hang it off my scale, like pack and everything. And it weighed 146 pounds. Oh my God. So gosh. you're almost there. Jeez. You're almost That's... there with that pig yeah yeah That's i wait I, I mean i change guy. Dan, everything dan, though dan always thinks i'm going to be smaller than i am every time i see him but i'm a I'm dude a it's because dude. you look
2: just like this guy that i used to know and he was he i mean identical if you were to take like almost two feet off of your frame that <laughs> yeah. was him and so every like the first time i ran into you or met you in person i was like whoa dude that is not what i was expecting at all <laughs>
1: Yeah. So it's a lot different, like percentage of body weight to add two quarters to me versus someone like Dan. You mean it's that's yeah. my job, I guess, in the IL cruise.
0: I'm the pack mule. Um, yeah. That that's my goal. That's that's me too. So now like uh I ended up getting my daughter a good bull. I'm it, I'm guessing it was over three hundred. I didn't officially score it, but I'm guessing it was over three hundred, and then so uh when we came out, I packed out the head myself that night, and then I made her pack out the neck meat and the uh, loins. And then so we hung the rest of the um, front quarters and hind quarters in uh, some junipers overnight. We went back the next morning, and she packed out both front quarters in my exo. Uh, uh, and then I had another external frame pack that I packed out both hindquarters in. That was, yeah. that was brutal, too. That was really hard. but you know it's like one of those things it's embrace the suck like you know i see a lot of stuff online and man i just like going into the elk season like that man i just i get motivated uh just you know for that time and so once it comes i'm like let's let's do it my daughter's like almost crying like this is so heavy i'm like you got it let's go come on you know she's like okay and then when we got done she was like oh wasn't that bad like i told you you
1: know
0: in the
2: moment it just feels like it's never gonna end and this year i was i was kind of nervous actually going out this year because i went in deeper than i have i shot a bull where i was told to never shoot one because of the terrain (laughs) everyone's like do not do it do not literally i was with three guys when i started hearing bugles two of them bounced out i'm like we're out here hunting we heard bugles and you're going the other direction this doesn't make sense so it's me and one other guy, and uh, before the two left, they're like, you know you're not supposed to shoot one back here, right? And I'm like, dude, I don't really care what everybody says. If the right bull steps out, I'm going to shoot it. So I 100%. did. And I was like, dude, this is going to be tough, man. I've been back in Missouri for a couple years. I'm not used to the elevation. Like, yeah, I've been working out, but the elevation can really take a toll. I mean, it's it's no joke when people talk about it. So, I get in there and it had to have just been the fact that I had killed my biggest bull ever. I packed that elk out dude. I like, I didn't run up the mountain, but I beat everybody up the mountain by a long way, dropped my pack, turned around, went right back down, grabbed another dude's pack, put it on, booked it up the mountain, dropped that one, went back to help another guy. And he's like, no man, I got this. I'm close. I'm close. And it was to the point where one of the guys, he's got some serious medical issues. And so he's got, he takes a lot of prescription medication and he goes, dude, did you, did you like get into my Adderall or something? And I was like, what?
1: (laughs) And everyone's like,
2: dude, he was joking about it, but he mentioned it so many times as a joke that we were kind of like, do you actually think Dan took your Adderall? And I was like, dude, that's a (laughs) great compliment. Thank you so much. Also, I'm going to pay for it tomorrow, but. It, I don't know I just got a second win this year i I hope that happens every year but now I'm gonna go into it too confident and underperform I feel like
1: but I think that's it's what happened more, to me. <laughs> I think you I think you train your mind on some of those shitty ones yeah more so than your body I think like I got to the point where i'm I'm in worse shape now but packing meat out is easier. Cause I'm just used to it. I've done it before. I know it's going to end. And maybe I'm better at mountaineering. We pick better paths out. We're not changed as much elevation, but it's just like my niece shot her first bull two years ago with a rifle and it wasn't a, any big deal to throw two quarters on, you know, I put two on somebody else put two on and then, you know, a couple people, my dad was along and we didn't give him any extra weight. He just carried an extra gun. But it's like, it's a, you know, once you've done it, like once you've gone to those ugly places and you've had that really sucky climb or your lungs are burning and it's not ending, like everything else seems easier after that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The, yeah, I, uh, the mental side of things is definitely, I mean, if you can train your body, that's awesome. But you really do have to just endure the suck sometimes, like it's going to be brutal. You're going to think this day is never going to end. I'm never going to make it to the top of the mountain or back to camp or the truck or the side-by-side. And you just kind of have to put your head down and go. And there are some people who just have too much quit in them for elk hunting or for packing out meat. I think that's a great excuse though. This pack actually can't carry any meat. So uh, I was going to say
1: (laughs) this fall, when he goes hunting with you, you should give him your old pack and be like, here's
0: a new backpack.
1: I know this one hauls meat.
2: Hey, let me see no, that no, one real know. quick. Just chuck it off the mountain. No more
0: hunting for us. <laughs> no more. <laughs> I mean, like, that's how you weed out stuff like that real quick. Like I said, the. Um, so, like, after the whole experience, I looked back, and I, I was like, oh, there was a lot of red flags. I was like, well, one, we went into Grizzly Country early, but he was like, oh, I forgot my pistol. I was like, okay, well, I get that. Whatever. You might have forgot your pistol. And then we were in a ways, and he was like, oh, by the way, he's like, I, I don't have my gun loaded either. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, my gun's loaded. My pistol's loaded. <laughs> I was like, so I'm ready. Uh, so I was like, if anything happens, you know, whatever. Uh, so yeah, there was that. And then when we stopped and we started glassing, like the no glassing thing. And then, uh, you know, it's like I was you know, trying to look around and analyze everything I could see around me. I'm like, no poop. There's no, you know, no rubs anywhere. I haven't seen any fresh tracks. I have, you know, and so just a lot of that stuff wasn't showing me that anything had even been there anytime soon. So, you know, and he he thought it was a good spot right away. So I was like, ah, oh, and those are were all red flags, you know. And so I just kind of added all those up and I was like, yeah, it's you know, good dude. We'll still be friends, but I don't know if we'll hunt again. Is this guy <laughs> this married? Is like
1: a, this is like <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, he is married. Okay. Yeah. So Afterward.
1: I've got
2: I've got a theory, man. I've got a theory. <clears throat> he gets an elk tag. Tells his wife that he's going elk hunting and all he wants to do is go out there and drink and hang out because
0: <laughs> he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink.
2: Oh, dude, maybe was he gonna kill you out there? Great theory, Dan. <laughs> no, he didn't bring he his gun.
0: Oh, okay, everything <laughs> he was unloaded. He, he brought his rifle, but it wasn't loaded. Uh, and then so as I was cutting the elk up, though, by the way, uh, I would like, you know, I would like kind of be focused on, on trying to make my cuts and, and make it clean and, and get as much meat as I could. And I, after a minute or two, I'd always like kind of look around or stand up and just uh, see my surroundings and just, you know, make sure. Cause we were in the heart of grizzly country. And so, uh, you know, there had been several attacks, not far from where we were. And so, um, you know, he was like, Oh, you're really nervous. Aren't you? I'm like, be cautious here, bud. I was like, I, you know, not, you know i'm not crazy about where we're at but i'm like uh you know i just don't want a grizzly to run <laughs> so you know there's a lot of red flags there but uh Dang. overall i learned from it you know I, I i know that we probably won't be hunting again and i know next time uh whoever i do go hunting with to make sure that they have a good pack and that they're gonna pack meat <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is going to be a reoccurring segment on the Western Rookie on what on red flags in a hunting partner and yeah. what to look for in a good yeah. hunting partner. It's like look for the guy that posts p- photos of the pack out, not the trophy. Like you want that yeah. guy that's like, look at what I just did. Yeah, look at the weight on this pack.
2: That's good. Yeah, make make sure your shed hunting buddy isn't throwing up like a quarter mile <laughs> yeah. into the trip.
0: Here's a yeah, so. It, it talk about but I didn't flags. quit. That's you what I want everyone true. to
1: know. I didn't quit. You, I said, you go pick that shit up, just give me a second.
2: You wiped the vomit <laughs> out of your long red beard and said, Let's go find some more. <laughs> I think it was that descriptive. It wasn't um, that. At least bad. he's not a quitter.
1: Right?
2: <laughs> Man, that uh, is awesome, yeah, dude. So, it sounds uh, like it sounds like you've got this stuff figured out. I mean, like, just the mental side of it, the physical side of it, and you're you're looking in places that other people are like aren't going to put the work in to go to and obviously it's paid off already
0: um you know like moving out here though uh it was totally different for me i had hunted elk one time in south dakota before uh and it was just cow elk i didn't know anything about it i ended up getting one just by being lucky basically but when i moved out here there were so many things that i needed to learn like i did not know that they hang out in elevation bands basically and there's so many of those like small things that like elk hunters know but i was an elk hunter i was a whitetail hunter or an antelope hunter you know and so coming out here i had to learn all that um but for me it was kind of an all or nothing thing kind of like i was telling you guys where i don't want to like start hunting waterfowl now or anything else because it's like all or nothing like and so um once i did that i just i really dove into it learned everything i could as far as like aspects of that like where they're stand, you know elevation bands when they come up and they go down and uh man that stuff was was really good um and for me too i think one of the best things that i did was getting in shape that was i i don't know if i could have done half of the I don't even know if I could have made it in half of the places that I did, if I didn't get in shape. And that's me, you know, like I have some other buddies that are, they're big guys. They're out of shape. but well, they they still go in there where I do, but I just, I couldn't do it if I was out of shape. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Going into it you know? physically prepared. I mean, it puts you in a different mental state right out of the gate. Yeah. Just knowing, Hey, my body can do this. So that's not going to be a limiting factor.
0: Yeah. And yeah, like same way with my daughter is like when, so, um, she drew a very rare tag to draw out here. That was a very hard draw, uh, hard tag to draw. And she drew it her first year. And so, um, I spent a lot of time finding the bulls for her and, and, and stuff like that. But, uh, I told her, I was like, look, you need to start working out with me. You got to get in there. We got to get in the gym. And she never did. Well, come season, I was, she was not getting, catching a break for me. Not at all. So, yeah. Um, when we did spot the bulls, they were probably about two miles away. And, uh, she goes, the first thing she said is we're not going after them. Are we? I was like, yeah, yeah, we are. Yes, we are. And so, and so she's like, oh my, And so uh, the last, the last half mile was like all uphill and I just sprinted straight uphill. And so I, I basically, I got up there. We were right at the time, um, we were going to start running into a shooting light issue uh, and things like that. So I was like, we basically, we have a half hour to get to where we need. And we have like this half hour window to find the bull we want and to make the shot. And um, you know, so I basically, I ran to the top, you know, found the bulls where we could get a shot on them, got the rifle and everything set up and like had everything set up for her. And then finally she caught up to me, (laughs) couldn't breathe, you know, and uh, she's like, Oh, I was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm like, you just got to make this shot. And so she ended up doing it. And, uh, but you know, I, I told her, uh, you know, I was like, if you would have been getting in shape with me, it might not have been that bad. So, um, but she pushed through through the pack out and everything else. And then she told me, uh, after the first night, we got home at three 30 in the morning. She goes, I don't want an elk tag next year. <laughs> 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 the second, And we went back and got the rest of it after we got done with the pack out and we got back home. She goes, I don't know, maybe just talk to me next year. So, and then she said, it wasn't that bad. I said, okay, all right, I'll take that. So I would, uh, I would love it. it. I would love it if your
2: daughter and your buddy who doesn't carry meat in his pack Mm. are both on a different podcast. And they're like, dude, we're never hunting with that guy again. Like we're never (laughs) doing it.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah. thought you were going to say, I, I want to see your daughter and this other guy on the next bull where she's just lapping them with two, with two fronts in her back. That would be amazing. Go, also. Wait. Yeah, <laughs> no,
2: I'm thinking they're both going, that guy's crazy, dude. Like he's sprinting up hills. He's going way back in there. I'm not going back with him.
1: Oh, we have, yeah, we, have my... we have three brothers That's in a... our group. And one of them is an insane shape. The other one is a better shape and he's in the military and those two like will not quit. And they just put the rest of us through hell because they're just like billy goats. And they like literally he's like, well, let's run up to the top and check these elk. And the, the one that's in the better shape just literally ran straight up the mountain. I'm like, God damn it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that I, I know my uh, my wife and my daughter, they, they talk a bunch of smack about me because they're like, he's just, he's so crazy, you know, like, you know, but I'm like, I'm like, this was the plan the whole time. We just, we had to, we had to get it done. And, you know, like the suck doesn't last that long, you know? Yep. That's temporary, man. Just really sucky a day or two. That's it. You know? So uh, I'm like, I could sacrifice for that.
1: (laughs) I always wanted to make a t-shirt that said, it's not going to hurt as bad as regret. And then Ooh, yeah. just wear that like in the gym and wear that when you're on the elk hunt. Cause like if you would have walked away from that 366, like your buddy convinces you, like it's not worth it, it's Chris the country, I'm not ready, my gun's unloaded, my boot came untied, let's just go back. And you would have walked, like you would have saw that bull and left him
0: there, like that would have ate you for so long. Forever. Yeah, that wouldn't have happened. I'm not, I'm not that kind of a person. <laughs> there was like there was no talk I, like I had committed i probably would have done some like rock climbing stuff to get down to that bowl i mean i was i was ready um but you know that goes back to like the whole all year long i spent doing this stuff and like preparing for it and so man when it came time i was like let's go (laughs) and like you said when you sought something way down away from everything i don't even put that stuff in my mind um like No, I'm like, I'll I'll, if I find a big bull, we will shoot it. We will do whatever we have to do and we'll figure it out later. You know, it got in there. We'll get it out. Oh, I turned straight to the guy that I was with
2: and he's like, are you really going to? And it it wasn't like he was trying to talk me out of it, but he was genuinely curious, like, dude, are you actually about to do this? And I was like, yes, I am. And I said, and I won't ask for anybody to help. Like, I'm not going to expect because everyone else had said, don't do this because we don't want to be part of it. I said, I'm not going to ask for help. If it takes me three days to pack this elk out, I will. There's snow everywhere. like It's going to stay cold. The only thing that might happen to it is something gets to it, right? Because we don't have a ton of mature trees. I mean, there's hardly anywhere to stash this meat uh, to keep it away from predators. And so I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm going to do it. And then, of course, everybody, where'd you shoot it? Where'd you shoot it? And I told them, they're like, (laughs) You're kidding me. You're kidding me. Next morning, I woke up to get ready. There was five people ready to go pack it out with me. Because, I mean, that's the group that I hang out with. They're like all, they're all in. We're all out there to help each other. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I packed out, there were seven bulls killed in camp this year. I helped pack out five of them. And so I'm like, dude, I shot, mine. Awesome. I shot mine day one. I, I hunted every morning and every evening, the whole rest of the week, just trying to find other people elk. I'm out there to hunt, man. Like,
0: uh, if I, go I feel, home
2: and I tell my wife that I yeah. hunted for one day and the rest of the time I sat in the tent and drank and played cards. She'd be like, no, no, you're not leaving me with the kids for that long just to go mess around. Like, you better be hunting. You better be putting in the work.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Seven bowls in camp. You shot yours on the first day. I'm starting to think, Chris, that you and I should just, like, sneak in. They're not 19 people. They're not going to notice two more dudes. They really wouldn't. do yeah. yeah, we
0: could probably pitch a tent right alongside. What are you talking about? Know. These
1: guys have been here for the last three years. We'd go yeah. through the taco line. Is with them. Pretend like we know. Oh, yeah, we came with that guy, um, Justin. You know, we're with Justin. He invited us. We're, we live down in you know Boulder.
2: I'm not going to be able to yeah. air this episode because a lot of the guys at Elk Camp watch it. Watch this pod or <laughs> this podcast. So they're going to be like, "Your voice sounds
0: strangely familiar." <laughs> so um uh, the uh yeah so on my daughter's bowl she uh for her bowl she actually missed the big one uh and she ended up shooting the the smaller one i had what i think was a 400 inch bowl uh picked out for her and wow. uh why are you guys even picked-
2: entertaining coming to my elk camp <laughs> this is we we are going with chris 100 percent
1: because did you pictures. hear the part where uh, she said she got a really rare youth tag? <laughs> yeah,
2: really rare. Dude, like, I uh, identify so as a 12-year-old. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, so uh, that was another hard thing coming out here too. So in uh, South Dakota, there's no age limit uh, for kids to hunt. I have four kids, uh, and so my two oldest have been shooting. Uh, I think both of them shot their first deer when they were eight. Um daughter was my oldest one she's 15 and so um in Wyoming you have to be 12 i think it is before they can hunt here um so she you know ended up drawing this super rare tag like my uh my neighbor applied for, has been about applying for the same tag for 20 years and hasn't drawn it yet <laughs> so, dang man there's big bulls in this unit i mean but you can uh, it's it's so hard to find it's like for me I'm like, do I apply for this tag every year? Uh, you know, I know I could still hunt on general units, you know, so if I don't draw this tag, so yeah, we'll see how that all. How... <laughs> I'll send you guys some pictures after this. Yeah. I'm, I'm all
2: about that. I want to, I want to see these pictures and obviously we need one for a podcast episode, but listen, I, I feel like one, we're going to have to figure out a structure with co-hosts because This podcast flew by. I can't believe we're like at an hour and 15 minutes already. And we haven't even touched shed hunting. So we might just (laughs) have to schedule a part two with Chris. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to do something because we could keep talking, but we'll definitely be swapping some pictures, sharing some more stories. Um, In the meantime though, Chris, where can people go and find you? Where can they follow along? Where can they see some,
0: some of these pictures? (sighs) uh so on instagram it's the world's most average hunter uh that's what i'm <laughs> that's what i'm running with. that is right the now, worst so. name for you ever
1: <laughs> it's, it's oxymoron i
0: mean was, come on well well my thing is is like i feel like i'm an average guy that you know i just take it seriously though i take it maybe yeah. a little bit more serious than yeah. most but it's like
1: that's where the uh, world's most comes in
0: yeah, <laughs> the world's most average runner, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, you know, but that, that's what I'm running now. I, you know, I, I try to keep up with it just as like a funny little thing As you know, I'm like, but I'll be posting some more stuff on there coming up soon. So, you know, especially going into shed season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, dude,
2: I really do appreciate you hopping on. Uh, this was an awesome conversation. I feel like, uh, we need to do a conversation while we're, we're all sitting at El Camp one year, though. Yeah. You guys could always come out and do some shed hunting. I've got some good Ooh. spots. You are speaking Brian's love language right now.
1: <laughs> That's the sixth one. It's right after gifts and <laughs> words of appreciation. <laughs> sheds, antlers. Yeah. People are like, what is sheds. this? What? Actually, you'll I've like never seen this most on of the those test sheds ever. Most of those sheds behind me came out of South Dakota.
0: No kidding. So uh, it was a thing for, I didn't, I didn't shed hunt in South Dakota that much. Uh, It was only when I came out here in Wyoming and I started seeing how big the bull elk shit that I, that I kind of got bit by the bug. Like I picked up a few here and there in South Dakota, uh, but nothing, I wasn't crazy about it. Like I am here. Well, I would be a lot more crazy
1: too if I was picking up 15 pound antlers
0: yeah i'll send you some pictures after after this is done hey,
2: hey brian you need to uh before we hop off you've got to show him your shed that you showed me before we started recording
1: oh this one
2: no not that one
1: which one did i show you oh the. Oh. Oh, the other one. <laughs> i forgot which day i was like i'm starting to get confused here uh this is a shed i found in south dakota 6,500 acre piece of property CRP and and grain egg fields. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners yeah. that aren't watching this, I have a marvelous, just a Boone and Crockett class of twenty thirty um, two, two inch spike.
2: Class of so. twenty thirty two, yeah, that's about right. Oh man, that's good stuff. Uh, well, yeah, guys, I appreciate both of you guys chatting. Uh, we're we're definitely going to have to do more episodes as a group because that was, that was a great episode. Um, but good luck on the upcoming seasons. Good luck on the upcoming draws. More importantly, I mean, that stuff is right around the corner. So hopefully you guys both get good tags and fingers. My fingers are crossed for the same thing.
1: Yeah. I have no idea what you said. It broke up. Oh, yeah, perfect. Well, I basically said, good luck this season. Okay.
0: <laughs> awesome, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for, me on.
1: Yeah, thanks for being here, Chris.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Touch base with me on Instagram there, and I'll, uh, I'll send you some pictures back and forth. That sounds good. And that is going
2: to wrap it up for today's show. Man, I am... I'm fired up. I want to get out and chase after some elk and some mule deer right now. I'm telling you, spring's coming. Uh, there's turkeys, but I just there's something about this time of year where, you know, in preparation for next year, this upcoming 2023 season and filling out uh, the applications and trying to get preference points and trying to get drawn and all of this different stuff. This time of year is really exciting for me and I hope it is for you guys. If you haven't put in for points yet, if you haven't been trying to draw, maybe this is the year that you do that. And I'm really looking forward to starting to get those messages, the pictures, the emails saying, listen, I've been listening to the Western Rookie, you know, you and Brian or this this guest that you had on the show really kind of inspired me to get out there and do this. But more than that, helped just show me that it's not impossible, that this isn't like a 10-year hunt. This is something that you can do year after year or every other year. And hopefully you guys find success with that. Hopefully you guys take tips and tricks away from this podcast that help you harvest big game animals out west. Uh, that's my goal. I know that's Brian's goal. And, you know, we're learning right alongside of you guys. So feel free. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a, shoot us a message on social media and uh, tell us all about it. What you've learned, how it impacted your hunt. This year or how you plan to use it in upcoming years and i'm hoping to get brian more involved with the podcast on the social side of things because that guy is a shed hunting freak man i don't have if it were up to me to post like shed hunting pictures i guess i would just never have anything to post but brian's going out constantly finding sheds with his dog grizz and uh i do want to spend some time out west shed hunting anyways gosh i'm just my mind is going a thousand miles an hour right now i'm pumped uh yeah that's all i got for you though so until next time guys get out there and chase a new adventure